Today is Tuesday, September 10th, 2019. On this day in 1931, 45-year-old mafia boss Salvatore Maranzano was brutally murdered in his New York office. Maranzano had recently ascended to the top of the criminal underworld, assuming the title of Capo di Tutti Capi, boss of all bosses. But five months later, his short-lived reign came to a violent and bloody end. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Every day, we flip back the calendar to this date years ago and recount one event from true crime history. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today, I'm covering the assassination of the 45-year-old Italian mafia kingpin, Salvatore Maranzano. Only a few months before his death, Maranzano and fellow gangster Charles Lucky Luciano overthrew mafia boss Joe Mazzaria. The coup allowed Maranzano to assume the position of capo di tutti capi, boss of all bosses. But Lucky Luciano wasn't content being Maranzano's second-in-command. He resolved to get rid of his new boss the same way he had helped get rid of Joe Mazzaria, in a hail of bullets. Due to the graphic nature of this episode, listener discretion is advised. We advise extreme caution for listeners under the age of 13. Before we unpack the ramifications of Salvatore Maranzano's murder, let's go back to the morning of September 10th, 1931, just as the workday was about to begin. On that morning, four men wearing long coats and carrying bulky briefcases took a subway car to New York City's Grand Central Station. As they walked outside amongst a throng of commuters, the four men squinted. It was a bright and sunny morning. Summer hadn't quite left New York City, and the people walking along the street were taking their time to enjoy the good weather while they still could. But the men didn't seem to have gotten the memo. They pushed their way through the meandering crowd, heading up Park Avenue to the New York Central Building. The slab-sided building was hard to miss. It was the tallest structure in the vicinity of Grand Central Station. As the four men approached its gilded doors, they craned their necks up towards the pyramid-topped roof. But they weren't looking at the ornate cupola at its peak. They were focused on an unassuming window on the ninth floor. From the other side of that same window, Salvatore Maranzano looked out over New York City. It was his kingdom, and he wasn't going to let some upstart like Lucky Luciano take it from him. Maranzano chuckled to himself. Luciano thought he was being so clever by plotting to double-cross him, But Maranzano's people were loyal to him. The minute Luciano's plan had started to form, he had heard about it. He turned around, contemplating the bust of Julius Caesar that sat on his desk. 
he took a lot of inspiration from the famous Roman emperor. After all, Caesar was the original Italian power broker. Maranzano admired how he had risen through the ranks, defying all challengers until he rose to the very top. As for what happened to Caesar at the end, well, nothing lasted forever, and Salvatore Maranzano, known as the Little Caesar of New York, wasn't going to make the same mistakes as his namesake. He reached into his vest and pulled out his pocket watch. Luciano was late for their appointment. Maranzano sighed. What was the fun of murdering your underlings if they were late to their own ambush? Maranzano turned back to the window. Looking out at that view wasn't such a bad way to pass the time. Down in the lobby, the four men in their long coats walked through the revolving doors. A receptionist asked them who they were there to see, but they walked straight past her towards the elevator. The receptionist shrugged. Her job was to help people. Stopping them was up to security. Meanwhile, 23-year-old Vincent Mad Dog Call huffed and puffed as he ran through Central Park. He couldn't believe he had lost track of time. Salvatore Maranzano was paying him $50,000 to kill Lucky Luciano. If he messed this up, he knew his life would be on the line. Mad Dog dashed onto Fifth Avenue and started running towards the New York Central Building. It was over 10 blocks. He just hoped he would make it in time to put a bullet in Luciano's brain. Coming up, multiple parties converge on Salvatore Maranzano's office. And now, back to the story. On the morning of September 10, 1931, the guards outside 45-year-old mafia boss Salvatore Maranzano's office stood at high alert. They knew something was up, but they didn't know exactly what. All the guards had heard rumors. Everyone had. When the boss told them Lucky Luciano was dropping by, they knew it wasn't for anything good. The elevator at the end of the hall chimed. As the doors slid open, the guards tensed, hands on their weapons. It was four meek-looking men hauling briefcases twice as big as they were. The guards relaxed. These guys must have been accountants or something. Maranzano hadn't told them the number crunchers would be coming, but there was a lot he didn't tell them. The moment the guards took their hands off of their guns, the four men pulled out their own weapons from under their long coats. The intruders raised their hands to their lips and waved their guns in the universal sign of, be quiet and drop your guns or we'll blow your brains out. The guards were all too happy to comply. After disarming themselves, they braced for what was surely going to happen next. Sure enough, the attackers knocked them out cold. Maranzano sighed. Finally, Lucky Luciano always did like to arrive fashionably late. He just hoped that Mad Dog Call was in position. Maranzano wouldn't be able to keep Luciano talking forever without the other man getting suspicious. He straightened his tie and opened the door. 
Maranzano was greeted by a gunshot. He staggered backward into the room, looking down at his wound in disbelief. Luciano had outmaneuvered him. The four assailants fired shot after shot into Maranzano's body, sending him crashing into his desk. With a blood-stained hand, he reached for the bust of Caesar. He tried in vain to swing it at his attackers, but he was too weak. The sculpture slipped out of his hand and shattered on the ground. With Maranzano unarmed, the four men grabbed him. He was as good as dead, but Luciano had told them to send a message. The little Caesar should meet the same fate as his namesake. The attackers pinned Maranzano against the wall and stabbed him multiple times in the back. When they finally let him go, he slid down the wall and fell to the floor, leaving a bloody streak. He was dead before he hit the ground. Mad Dog Call was running up the stairwell when he heard the gunshots. Mad Dog quickened his pace. Whatever had happened, gunshots were never good. As Mad Dog reached a landing, he came face to face with four disheveled looking men. They told him the police had raided the building, but Mad Dog knew that was a lie. He recognized these guys. They ran with Lucky Luciano. He knew that if he went up to Maranzano's office, he wouldn't find police combing over it. He'd find a dead body. He started to reach for his gun, but stopped short. Maranzano had already given him half of the money up front. He could live without the other half. Mad Dog tucked his tail and ran. A short while later, the four assassins arrived at Lucky Luciano's office. Their presence could only mean one thing. He had won. Luciano walked to his bar cart and poured them all a drink. He raised his glass to them. The king is dead. They raised their glasses back. Long live the king. After Salvatore Maranzano's murder, Lucky Luciano took his place as boss of all bosses. Instead of grabbing all the power for himself, Luciano expanded the Italian Mafia to include more criminal organizations, such as the Jewish Mafia. He also brought in groups from Chicago, as well as other gangs across the nation. But Salvatore Maranzano's legacy wasn't completely erased. Luciano retained his concept of dividing New York operations among five different families, which allowed disputes to be resolved with negotiation. Rather than stagnating from constant infighting and violence, Luciano's leadership allowed the Mafia to grow into a sophisticated national operation. The next few decades would be known as the Golden Age of the Mafia, and while Salvatore Maranzano's reign as the boss of all bosses was all too short, it laid the groundwork for the underworld he had briefly ruled to thrive.
Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more information on some of the subjects of this episode, check out our Kingpins episode on Vincent Mad Dog Call. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Paul Mahler, Maggie Admire, and Carly Madden. This episode of Today in True Crime is written by Alex Benedon. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 